two Academy Award winners, one Academy Award nominee, and Maggie and Jake Gyllenhaal's dad of the helm. What could go wrong? Everything! Music! <laughs> Welcome to the New World Podcast, where we talk about every movie made by New World Pictures. I'm Mark, and with me, as always, is Erica. Oh, different. And Ryan. <laughs> Hello. And today, we're going to talk about a real New World movie. Yeah. We're getting into some real New World. That's why we're mixing it up, because... We have finally gotten back to a real new world movie. We've been we've been slumming it with <laughs> with different movies like Android and Judd. It's time to We've get been back. slumming it with entertaining movies that were <laughs> fun to watch. But it's none time. of them none of them had the star power of no. Tatum O'Neill, Irene Cara, and Henry Fonda's son in <laughs> <laughs> Certain and Peter theory. Fonda also spent a day on this movie. <laughs> By accident. He was on set for something else and they just popped in. We we have about eight lines. Can you memorize them quickly? He's like, nope, I'll say whatever I want. Let's go. <laughs> Rolling. <laughs> Academy Award winner, Tatum O'Neill. I know we can beat this. Academy Award winner, Irene Cara. I didn't resist arrest. And Peter Fonda. Would you help me if I had stiffed a cop? I didn't stiff a cop! They never met before today. Nobody moves! And they don't belong together now. They're about to be tried in a crossfire. Convicted by circumstance. And framed for a crime they didn't commit. They're caught up in certain fury. Now they're bound together by chance. I just want a place where I can figure a way out of this mess. I want you away from me. Now! And if they can't make it together, then they won't make it at all. The only thing that will save them now is their nerve and each other. They're about to find out that when you're desperate, you'll do anything and everything to stay alive. Hold it! My buddy could have done it already. They're gunning for you. Tatum O'Neill. Irene Carroll, Certain Fury. 
Yeah. The trailer was longer. <laughs> I feel like they didn't quite cover every <laughs> single moment of the entire movie, so I just think it should have been five or six minutes longer. That's the thing. I have watched this movie many times. I don't remember it being that action packed. It is. Well, it's funny they bring up they bring up a, a clip where she's talking about. I'm just trying to find a way out of this, and then smashes glass, and it like sounds like a real action packed scene. Here I have the actual that actual dialogue, which I didn't remember from the from the trailer, but I I, I purposefully uh, took a clip of it just because. Well, have a listen. I don't even know where I am. What do you want me to do? You just don't get do. Get what? White, black. They'll grab us in two seconds. I want you away from me. Now! What are you gonna do? Kill me? Go ahead. Do it. Stop being such an asshole. Why should I? You leave me out here covered in this shit and as good as dead anyway, right? I mean, why not get the pleasure of it? If you hate me so much, kill me. What am I supposed to do? Feel sorry for you or something? Break down in tears? Is that it? That is ooh, ooh, ooh. a lot of that movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 This this movie was written by a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, this is how grown-ups talk. <laughs> yeah. This is how grown-ups fight. I was, I had just like, just today just saw like somebody put on TikTok or Twitter or whatever, and they are just trying to make fun of like kids plays. So so shouts to whoever did this, but they did this thing where like, they were like acting out all like kids trying to act like adults and how funny that is in kids plays because they don't actually know the experience. That's what this movie is. It's like, I don't truly know what it's like to live in any sort of tough way or what tough people sound like, but I know I've seen some TV shows. So I'm just going to, I'm going to throw just what I've learned from watching some TV shows. I'm not saying you have to like actually have a tough background to write, but I'm just saying, it sounds like a kid who's like, I've listened to a couple TV shows. I think I can pull off some tough dialogue and I'm going to write this tough story that, you know, I've poured myself a Sprite into a wine glass. <laughs> I've got some pretzel rods that I'm pretending are cigarettes. Now and I'm going to write this tough story. Speaking of, this movie was <laughs> written by Michael Jacobs. Sorry, Michael, for just ripping Eight, you. But <laughs> he, he did write after this. He wrote uh, uh, 315, The Moment of Truth. And year, a couple years later, Halloween 5. Oh, yeah, you know. yes, yes. And then he disappeared pretty much. He's got like a documentary that apparently he's he's working on, but that has not been released. But so in his script was was every one of Tatum O'Neill's lines. Did it all start with semi long pause, then say your line? Because it felt like she either was directed to always take a dramatic pause in between every single one of her lines, or that was written in the script and she was being very literal, or someone was offset saying, no, you're just an asshole. And she's like, no, you're just an asshole. You got that, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I sent you a clip that has a, has a pretty... Uh... 
a lengthy di- display of Tatum's tough talking uh, lady Scarlet, the character that she plays in Certain Fury. You goddamn son of a bitch! Open this door, or I'll blow your fucking balls off. You think I'm fooling around here, you goddamn bastard? Think I'm playing some half-assed motherfucking game? You hear me, goddammit? I know you're in there. I got a shotgun, asshole, and I'm gonna use it! Just go away. I'm counting to three! I'm busy. Well, get unbusy, you bastard! Zip up your fly and get her the fuck out of there, or I'll kill both of you. I'll kill all six of you if that's what you're into now. Alrighty, I'm starting to count. One, two... Okay, okay, alright. Three. But, um, oh, wait, be- wait, she's called we... Lady... Wait, hold on. Lady Scarlet? No, How she's just I... a lady. I'm, I'm, oh. you know, uh, you know. I didn't know if maybe I watched the She's an Academy after. Award winner, Mark. We got to have some respect. Um, she, now we, we, I have, I have never been, um, uh, I've never been more earnest about asking this question to you guys on this podcast, but because I think a lot of people have not seen Certain Fury. What? What is this movie about? Really, what is this movie about? What? <laughs> Erica, what? Ryan, stop being an asshole. <laughs> I just want to get away from you. <laughs> but also, I need you. Because I can't read. I think this is this was this is what happens when you don't learn how to read. Yep, right. You're destined for a life on the road, life yeah. of crime, a life in the sewers. We should show this movie to our son. Yeah. Just to kind of like, let him know. Like, you don't learn to read? You don't really know how to read. This is the path you can go down on to. on a boat, you know? <laughs> it's going to happen. Mark, what is this movie about? Please. Well, I, I think you you touched on it. Uh, also, life on a boat eating shrimp. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. There, there's melon. Plus, melon balls. Melon, melon balls. balls. <laughs> but um, I thought that it was it was an it's an after school special that got uh, just got a little out of hand. Mm. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> that is so dead on. That's do you want so do you want to know why? Let me tell why? you how accurate this is. Certain Fury is directed by uh, Stephen Gyllenhaal. Age uh-huh. 12. <laughs> <laughs> this is his film debut. Uh, he had not made a feature film before, but he had worked on a few episodes of CBS Afternoon Playhouse. Mm-hmm. And he had shot an ABC After School special. Oh, right. And yeah. the DP, Case Van, Holst- Van Holstrom. Rolls off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. He's he's a Dutch DP, and he had, after doing a little bit of work in Holland, come to obviously America, and he had shot an ABC after school special and a CBS school break special prior to doing this movie. And he probably just thought this is how Americans acted. <laughs> this is what he learned. This is how he learned about America. He's like, yeah, right. About right. So yeah. So, so right. So they you were, were making at, you the very accurate description. They were making an after school special called uncertain future and it was about <laughs> not learning how to read don't run from the cops uh try to get try to not get involved with prostitution 
uh, you know, uh, stay away from drugs. You know, all the basic tenets of an ABC after school special. It's true. It's true. And they and they turned it into ABC, and ABC went, uh, wait, there's like full bush in this movie, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> We we can't we can't show this on a Tuesday afternoon. Michael and Jacobs, what did you write into the script? <laughs> I made this movie tough. They say bad words. And they get naked in strange men showers. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. No, we're not. We're not. No, we're not. <laughs> this is it. We're right on point. oh shit all right well i just want to say this movie does start off in a totally epic fashion it does i think you guys anything i you got i think you guys know what i'm talking about right yeah i'm talking about the opening credits which go on (laughs) for a very long time (laughs) i felt like i was gonna see my own name at some point i was like they are just introducing and thank you to this viewer. Right. I mean, they might as well have gotten to everybody. I mean, I would be kind of pissed having worked on the movie uh, if I had worked on it because I, I wasn't mentioned in the beginning because it is just like credits on a black screen mm-hmm. with the music. It tells you and everything if, you need and, to know. And if, no you're montage. Child, if you're a child, you have no idea. You always think all credits are long. So you would want to make them long to prove mm-hmm. that you know how to make a grown up movie. Yeah, so, and you're right. like you're like adults like this. They read the newspaper. <laughs> it's black and white. Michael Jacobs wrote these specific credits into yeah. his script. He didn't leave this to any anybody else. He's like opening shot, black screen, <laughs> a white name appears. It is, it is the, my name name. Of, the name of the production company. <laughs> and then all the fr- all the people in his sixth grade class. <laughs> <laughs> Special shout out to Mrs. Henderson. <laughs> All um, the people in my class, except for you, Martin, you can go to hell. You asshole. <laughs> that was the only few cuts they made from the, to this yeah. movie. Uh, I Once we get into the movie, which, by the way, we talked about this in our bonus episode. Bonus. And, Mark, you had mentioned something about the title being odd. Because it's kind of a weird thing. But I feel like this movie, the, the title is actually incredibly accurate at rewatching it last night. <clears throat> because everybody's mad about like, they're, they're not, they, have a, they have a certain kind of madness to them. They're mad about something, but it's not like a broad thing or even very specific. It's just like a certain kind of madness that they have. I'm just kind of peeved at you. I have a certain fury, not a really intense fury, but just like a certain one. Like if I'm Peter Fonda, I just want you off my boat. You know, I just want to eat my melon balls in peace. I just have a certain fury. I don't have a really intense fury. One thing I'd like to point out that you said, and I believe you're correct, but you kept saying Peter Fonda had a certain fury, not Peter Fonda had certain fury. And that's, I think, the problem that I have is I want to call this a certain fury. It's not. It's certain fury. Like, are you certain fury? Do you know who who called the movie a certain fury? No, it's not called a certain fury. Oh, I know. Certain fury. Oh, I know. But do you know who called it a certain fury? Tatum O'Neill in her autobiography. She talked about this in her autobiography. As someone who 
just listened to her reading it on Audible. Yes. Um, wow. Yeah, she she does. She talks about it so briefly, but she does say a certain fury. I just need to take a moment. I need to take a moment to acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I tried to do some research on this thing. It wow. was not easy. Wow. Was this a not an easy movie flash, to research? Was there was there a flash sale on Audible and you just like this was a freebie? It's <laughs> like, a free month. You spend? And I got I've got a month to cancel this. <laughs> also, okay, this I don't just... think we're gonna get that Audible sponsorship after having just said that, but um this is a dumb question, but do a lot of people read their own autobiographies? Yes, I think oh. a lot of people do, particularly like, you know, I mean, not if they're dead. I've read mine three but... times. <laughs> they might. You're just a waiting pub, pub, <laughs> a publisher and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to come uh, with it's already, hey, I've already done the audio version, so. Audible it already will pay, exists. Audible will pay for one month if you pick up my autobiography. <laughs> she had a chapter called called A Certain Fury in her autobiography called A Paper Life. And so I thought, oh, cool. She's going to talk about it. She talks mostly about her dad getting together with Farrah Fawcett in that chapter. And then she eventually ch- chats about the movie for about two seconds and moves on to John McEnroe. So it's not a big section of her her paper life if you will so does she just say and then i was in a movie called a certain fury then i met john McEnroe. you're like Uh, well she she talked about it being a fun experience with the exception of she said that her dad visited her on the set and was constantly trying to give her notes and give the director notes and you know thought oh you got to turn your head this way or that she was he was just constantly getting involved in her business the whole book is i think largely just her saying, my dad was a huge dick, which apparently he was. I don't know. So, I, I you know, I can't speak Who's to your that. dad? Ryan O'Neill. Oh, it's not Stacy? Not Stacy O'Neill. O'Neil. Now, now, Erica thinks now every... Everybody's dad. Everybody's dad, dad is named Stacy. <laughs> Most of them are. <laughs> we haven't... <laughs> she loves the keeches. She just loves the keeches. I'm in uh, deep with I the keech. I love a certain keech. <laughs> keech. Keech. She's Peach. into Peach? she's you're into a key. Yeah. <laughs> One key. <laughs> um but once we start this movie and we get through this long credit sequence, we go into what I can only call uh, a jury heist. I, can, I don't know why I keep calling it that, but apparently uh they had this big plan to get themselves out of what I can only assume is like a, like a small time, it's a small time court. Yep. They're all up for like basic misdemeanors to a, to a degree. Petty felonies, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But these two, two of these ladies really have a plan to shoot their way out of <laughs> these misdemeanor <laughs> felonies. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll never make me do community service. So they, <laughs> I'll never clean up the side of a freeway. Never. <laughs> La da dee da do da. She really does sing, and then she uh, finds a way to steal the bailiff's gun. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, you can probably tell it from my really good gun noise that I did. <laughs> could could have been an engine. Could I was been. just going to assume it was a gun going yeah. off. Listeners, chime in if you can pinpoint exactly what <laughs> what kind. That would of be gun if I they was. chime in. They're just saying something wherever they are. We yeah. can't hear them. <laughs> yeah, chime in. Chime in. All right, uh, I, Erica, we have a call. Caller. Oh. <laughs> Uh, hi, it's me, Michael Jacobs. Oh, you shouldn't be up this late. <laughs> Michael, don't be an asshole. <laughs> uh, okay, so, and then, um, I guess the movie is supposed to spring from this moment when these women shoot what is a tremendous amount of cops. Mm -hmm. I guess courthouses are just loaded with yeah, cops. Yeah, they went from misdemeanor to manslaughter real fast. <laughs> I, just, I just was surprised at the amount of police that are in this, mm -hmm. uh, in this courthouse for misdemeanor crimes. But in any case, um, and I guess the whole movie is based on the premise that because it's a white woman and an African-American woman that start shooting at these cops, that then Tatum O'Neill and Irene Cara are going to be mistaken as the women that were shooting all these people. Is that correct? I I, oh. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I just saw that they ran, and so they just figured you had to be a part of it. Listen, this opens well, up to, the whole to... subplot with, with Stacy's dad, mm. and I don't... I, I was like, why do we need to follow those people? I like, really don't care. I don't know that it's uh, impacting the story at all. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we can get into that when we get into Stacy's dad and the lieutenant. Who's that... Stacy? <clears throat> Irene Kara's um, character. No, Tracy. Oh, Tracy. Okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was missing. I was. We I was all have. We all have with, the keech. With... We have the keeches on the brain. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Tell me, welcome to my world. <laughs> It's Stacy and Miss Scarlet in my mind. Yes, yes. Not Lady Scarlet. Not Lady Scarlet. He has his own version. Okay. He's got a Southern version. I have like a <laughs> <laughs> Anglo-Saxon version, like from the 1700s. <laughs> um, now, a quick question: While we're in this very early section, this is why I rewatched this last night just to double check this. Do you know what Irene Cara? Uh, and Tatum O'Neill are being busted for. Uh, I believe Tatum O'Neill is being busted for prostitution. And then Irene Kara, I know that they bring it up, but I, I, I want to say that I forgot, but I could have just not cared. I thought Irene Kara was just like a wrong place, wrong time situation. Like, she was in this near, movie. Yes, correct. She was, a, she was like near some crime and they were just like, you there. You're going. You're getting the clink. Well, here's the thing. The thing about Tatum O'Neill's crime is that they drop just little tidbits of what she did throughout the movie, but never truly discuss what it is, which is really emblematic of this entire film. They just drop slight hints of this having some kind of story, and then just never pay it off. But essentially, she said that it was a misunderstanding. Uh, but at this point in the court, they, the, the, her, her lawyer says that they have 14 pages of witness account Jesus. and that there were four witnesses later on, uh, sniffer who we'll get to says that he set her up with this guy and he didn't know that he was real kinky 
and had a family, and he apparently put a gun in her mouth. This gentleman, not Sniffer. <clears throat> and and then uh, Peter Fonda says, I read in the newspaper that you cut the guy. And she he said, was that was that true or was that the newspaper making stuff up? And she said, that's just making us stuff up. So we don't know what she did, but I guess she was supposed to go hook up with this dude and shit just turned sideways. But we don't ever know. This is Irene, a crime. This is a crime concocted by a child. They don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They don't know how know. crimes really are. So they're <laughs> like, I don't know. Saw me do something bad gun in the mouth. That's, yeah, mommy, that's what, is, what is what is crime? Miss <laughs> Henderson, what is crime? Shut up, Martin. <laughs> My name's right. Michael. Michael Jacobs. I'm going to write the shittiest Halloween movie ever. <laughs> uh -huh. That's not even that's not even fair to Michael Jacobs because there are there is a worse Halloween movie than Halloween yes. five. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm that's not sorry. Even nice. Sorry, Michael. <clears throat> sorry, Michael. Listening. You deserve better. You deserve better than that. You're a child, for God's sakes. I'm beating up on a child. Yeah. Wait a minute. Um, gang up on a kid, you guys. I know. Now, um, Irene Cara was busted for weed and a car yeah see which they say is her Wrong first point. offense time. no but then she said they she was resisting arrest yeah and that was what they said but the reason is is because irene Kara called him i don't know she called him a long string of of you know uh yelling uh like and then yeah, I think it was like a like a white motherfucker or something like something. Oh, whoa! Kind of thing. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Save it for the movie. And then Ooh. and then the the lawyer's like, oh no, and she's like, well, don't you want to know what he said to me? So clearly, the cop had said some racist things, which I I would have to say I would have to just assume is then said repeatedly by Tatum O'Neill later in this movie because Tatum O'Neill drops a couple n bombs in this movie, so she's she's. 1984 not going was to... a different time. Yeah. Uh, also, did you guys notice? Did it was wasn't there a guy in the courtroom that looked exactly like Paul Bartel? I really yes. thought Paul Bartel yes. was playing the lawyer. I watched. I rewound totally. it several times. It was know. like I don't know what Paul Bartel looks like. Um, he directed Death Race 2000. He is a tall, bald man with a beard. He was oh. in Raul. Yeah, eating Raul, chopping Maul for a second. Their characters make an appearance. Uh, I he's not, but boy, I really thought he was because he gets like doused in blood. But anyway, so we're supposed to think that like. But fortunately, Ryan, I just <clears throat> want to touch on the fact that <clears throat> I'm glad you did this research because their crimes have an an, an incredible impact on mm -hmm. the plot mm -hmm. of this movie. Yeah. It, it, like, because yeah. you did that research, <clears throat> I mean, if, if people miss out on that, they're going to be confused. Crucial what is details. happening in this movie. Yeah. Uh, for the, basically the rest of the very long 80 minutes after it's, that. It's, it's as if scene. Robert Remy got the first draft of the script and threw it back at Michael Jacobs and said, too many details. <laughs> Drop the details. <clears throat> right <clears throat> just give me that michael jacobs feeling <laughs> so they they escape 
and somehow yeah. find themselves in the sewers under New York, Vancouver, San Francisco town. And <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> this movie was shot in Vancouver is made to somewhat maybe be LA or New York or maybe San Francisco. There was some second unit done in LA, but I don't know what exactly they shot, but um, mostly in Vancouver, but yeah, it, it, it's supposed to just look like any town anywhere, USA. And grimy, no town. So right. They end Until up the, the very sewer. end, at the very end, they just go, fuck it. We're in Canada, everybody just <laughs> deal with it. Just here's the woods and here's an abandoned railroad and we're a railway and uh, we're obviously in Canada. So could have been Portland. Could have been Seattle. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So we, they took a really long walk down those tracks. <laughs> so uh, they end up in the sewer uh, and a cop finally catches up to them. Mm -hmm. He somehow in the time that there has been this great shootout in the courtroom, you know, obviously there'd be a lot of commotion and scrambling and someone saw these two women. <clears throat> go into the sewer system under no name town he has time to find a wetsuit throw that yep. thing on yep. and jump down there to go after them um as though he thought he might do a little snorkeling while he was down there too yeah but uh, before he got zipped it all the way up he was like "Ooh, if i catch him i'm gonna need to have a smoke so right he made sure to bring a trusty cigarette with him <clears throat> so he catches up with them He's like, he's got him pinned to a corner uh, and decides, yeah, it's time to light this smoke uh, to which, you know, it's the typical trope of there's gas fumes in the sewer and it's going to explode and giant explosion. No one gets burnt. It's really amazing uh, how that could happen, uh, especially given the fact that a cigarette couldn't possibly light the fumes because. I mean, there have been several studies, one of them by the National Fire Protection Association, Ooh. where they looked at, they did a bunch of experiments of exposing lit cigarettes both at idle and under draw to gasoline vapors in various configurations, including pans, pools of gasoline, etc. Um, and the, experience, the experiments, uh, they had 70 distinct tests involving 723 cigarettes, over 4,500 incidents of exposure of a lit cigarette to an ignitable concentration of gasoline vapor in the air, and there was not a single instance of the gasoline vapors lighting on fire. So, boys wow. and girls, next wow. time you're filling up your car at the old gas station, go ahead, light up. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. And as you mentioned in our Chud episode, you would have to pump an unbelievable amount of gas underneath into the sewers in order right. to actually <clears throat> light everybody on fire that, you know, with all that gas, if your concentration, and if of, you of were doing that, like the girls, you know, swimming or running down in the sewer waters would, you know, basically be getting very high on gas fumes, essentially, right? Like it would like knock them out pretty soon. But in order for the concentration to the oxygen to gas fume vapor, it would have to be so high that they would have passed out and been on the verge of death anyway. Right. So, right. <laughs> and he wouldn't have been looking to light a cigarette. He'd be thinking, 
holy crap, we've got to get out of here because I can't breathe. While we're on the subject of science, wouldn't they get like massive pink eye from the sewer water? Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Like that, that they seem to be like, like the fact that they're like literally swimming in, in sewer water doesn't seem to really be any sort of problem. No, no. I mean, they're not worried about that. Yeah. They're uh, <laughs> the cigarettes a problem. The sewer water and the fact that they they're swimming in a sea of hepatitis C doesn't really make <laughs> much of a difference. Right. So what does happen, though, is that there is an explosion and that cop gets killed, which I guess is what really means that why the cops are still after them. Because so far, I'm like, why is Irene Cara running? Number one, why does she run away in general? Why are we are we supposed to believe that they think that these were the women that started the gunfight at, at in the courtroom? Like they shot the one girl, the blonde woman. They shot her with a shotgun blast. Like pretty much decidedly i don't think anyone missed that like they're definitely dead they caught the other one on the fence so like the other two are really just two people with misdemeanors racing away from the courtroom and they apparently have set the whole city of vancouver york cisco on them (laughs) (laughs) because they need to catch these two misdemeanor crooks uh, I guess. And then I guess because they kill the co- the cop gets caught in under the gate and drowns in the sewer water. He definitely got pink eye. Um, n- little known fact that I don't think they they did. That must have been a cut scene, but I'm sure he walked away with pink eye, despite it be on, being also dead. Mm-hmm. But still. They're like, well, he drowned, but the pink right. eye would have killed him eventually. Right. The, his last memory was like him trying to open his eyes and they couldn't because they had crusted shut. <laughs> he Ew. was like, oh, no, I have pink eye and I'm drowning. Ew. <clears throat> um, anyway. I don't know where I was going with that, but. <laughs> I so, guess they, they, so they leave the sewer. They leave the dead cop there and uh, the sewer. They find an exit. Finally. And it's in the lobby of a of a hotel. Like, yeah, do, do yeah. sewers yeah. typically exit in a lobby of a hotel? <laughs> I Van- guess I don't know. I've never crawled through the sewer. Vancouver, York, Cisco has an intricate system of sewers, and they end up in lots of places. <laughs> Where they I, build. It it also feels like an unnecessary use of a location. Like, Mm -hmm. you really could have had them just come out of any street corner. Do they just have to have something indoors or, you know what I mean? Like, they – and they just – I think you mentioned before, Mark, they just put a bunch of plants near it, like, so no one would notice. Like, even though it's got a grate on it, so clearly the smell of the sewer is just wafting into this (laughs) hotel lobby at all hours. Like when they went to build the hotel, they were, the city was like, listen, there's one thing here. We got this sewer that's in the middle. We can't cover that up. Well, but <laughs> the I'm people a hotel right open. here. The people of Vancouver, York, Cisco sound like they're from New York, <laughs> but they're not. They're not. They're not at all. They're not. Uh, they're from here. They're, they're from here. <laughs> and I really? love that they they jump out of this grate, which is just just filling this lobby with poo smell, 
And apparently there's like a wedding going on. (laughs) They were like, this lobby is beautiful and it reeks of a shit. (laughs) I really felt like they were going to like steal some clothes. Like, oh, it's a wedding. They're going to like somehow sneak into this wedding or I don't know. We're going to cut them away and and, and Tatum O'Neill's running down the street in a wedding dress. And we're like, oh, these two. These two. Like, you know, something was going to happen there. Nope. Just ran through it. Instead, right it's out. just a, a bunch of overdub. Like, who are they? Somebody get security. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where did they come from? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they, they like... came from the source of that shit smell that's <laughs> over in the planter. <laughs> so that's what that shit smell is. <laughs> I'd also uh, like to see that uh, that exchange. Security. These two women just ran right by us. You have to do something. They smelled of shit. <laughs> but they didn't have pink eyes, so, <laughs> so I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they were in a sewer, because that would have given them pink eye. They just ran right by us, didn't do anything to us at all. You must do something. They didn't even try to steal all these extra dresses we have hanging out that are their size. Uh, where they do end up is uh, introduces our, our next big character, uh, sniffer who is i don't know uh the boyfriend i guess of tatum oh. o'neill yeah. like i guess he is like a pornographer because they you know because here's the next thing because irene Kara goes in and uses his shower and passes his bed and he's got a camera right there and several costumes that that uh tatum o'neill finds this was so a I've got to ask. I've got to. I've got to ask you guys. Ha, when ha, have you ever taken a shower at a stranger's house? Um, Ryan, yeah. uh, I, I, as you know, I won't even take a shit at a stranger's <laughs> house. <laughs> so a shower is entirely off the table. I know. I know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I know you probably know. talk yourself into it. I mean, I'm really thinking about it. And I'm like, I guess if I was dirty enough. <laughs> I know mean, she's been in the sewers. Yeah, I guess if I'd been in the sewer and I didn't know when the next shower could be. But also, like, honestly, how clean is Sniffer's shower? And does he legit have soap? <laughs> And you know if he does have soap, it is a bar of soap. And it is Pube City on this bar of soap. Yeah. It is not a clean bar of soap. Well, that bathroom was just Pube City. (laughs) There's pubes everywhere. There was pubes everywhere. (laughs) It was all over the place. Uh, The actor who plays Sniffer, by the way, is Nicholas Campbell. He's a Canadian actor. He often works with Cronenberg. Mm -hmm. So we will discuss him when we eventually get to The Brood. Because he's in the brood, and he's he was just coming off of working with Cronenberg and the Dead Zone right prior to this movie, and he'd also worked with Irene Cara in a movie called Killing Them Softly in 1982. So he maybe had some familiarity with Irene Cara, which is important because Irene Cara goes full nude in the yes. shower. This is our yeah. first titty count, Erica. Well, you don't go to a stranger's shower and, like, keep your shirt on while you're in there. I mean, everybody goes full nude in the shower, right? Is there a situation where you're in the shower but sort of clothed? I mean, come on. 
Very true. But I mean that she definitely shows everything in the shower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, thinking that this movie it would it will be seen as a I guess a gutsy move to yeah. go full full nude. Probably look like Irene Cara. I've been getting nude all the time. Just any re- Hey guys, <laughs> happy Sunday. Am I right? Oh, these pants. Oh, Erica, you know? your pants. Put your pants back on, Erica. Nah. <laughs> I'm about to get in the shower at your house. Wink. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would just, I would go nudesies all the time. You know. And, and and to prove your point, Mark, that there's pubes all over this bathroom, Sniffer punches his way into the shower to then oh. attempt to rape Irene Kara, who gets out of the shower by turning up the the hot water, but she has to cross over him with her arm to turn on the hot water, which burns him, but not her arm, apparently. Mm-hmm. So he freaks out and goes out of the shower, but she's unscathed, I guess. He's got that delicate pornographer skin, you know? It's so delicate. I mean, you get hot water on that. It's sober. It's over. He manages to beat him up and get away from him. While poor Tatum has only taken a whore's bath and then run off to go see the... (laughs) Go see uh, Peter Fonda after having an argument with Sniffer. I'm sorry, Scar. I really am sorry. So sorry, I really am. Yeah, I know. I really wish I could do something. Mm-hmm. But this is really a mess, isn't it? I mean, what can I do? It'd be nice if we could just run off together, huh? Well, and leave all this shit behind, like we always said we were gonna do. Yeah. There's this place up north a friend told me about. Maybe we could do it, huh? Just get on your bike, you and me, and just leave all this shit behind. What exactly are you talking about? I've been through a lot, Sniffer. Maybe I'm growing up. Maybe I'm beginning to realize what's really important in life. You're really serious, aren't you? Of course I am. Such a goddamn whore. You really think I'm gonna fall for that, don't you? Puffle. <laughs> what do you think I am? A fucking moron? You're such a manipulating little kind. I can't believe this. I want, look, I want you out of my place what? right now. What's I, the matter with you? I don't want to hear your voice. I don't want to see your face. I can't believe you come in here and start playing these games with me. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should go find Loverboy. I bet he'd help you. You know what that was about. You know I never even cared about him. I better hope he cared about you because I'm not going to help you. I will go to him. Fine. I was like, what are they arguing about? <laughs> I have no clue what the argument is. Neither, I does, neither does Math, Ma- Matthew Jacobs. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Michael. Michael's like, I don't Mikey. know either. They got mad at each other. Uh, it's like, I don't know. Who is anyone to anyone? I have no clue about the relationships in this movie. And then they, she goes to Peter Fonda, who's presumably some sort of sugar daddy that she's had. And right. he's mm-hmm. a part of some underground crime syndicate of some kind. That where owns they, a melon baller. With, very. <laughs> that are super into <laughs> melon balling. He just uses that <laughs> knife. He pulls out that knife to eat those melon balls. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they're going to go bad. You can't. That says, I have a lot of money from illicit affairs. <laughs> Once you scoop them out, you got to eat them right away or they get too wet. <laughs> so he calls her bullshit pretty quick. 
And then she has to go back to Sniffer's apartment where she figures out that the, the whole, the Sniffer trying to rape Irene Kara. Is that what happens next? I don't know. I, the, the, things start to get a little hazy. They do go, they go, they go on back on the run afterwards. But while we're at the Peter Fonda scene, which literally is just there, it's, it's there for two reasons, which we can now bring up this ridiculous subplot. But before we do, <clears throat> the because this Fonda cameo just seems incredibly shoehorned in. And I felt like they were like, we can get Peter Fonda for a day. Can we write this scene? Which we sort of discussed. But we have to keep him on international waters. <laughs> <laughs> well, and good thing. He can't, he's actually, he can't be on land. <laughs> and he actually, can't tell us why. He's staying on a boat right by where we're shooting. So he doesn't have to do anything. He's already there. <laughs> he's already there. The meal has already been served. Yeah. He was like, I just balled a melon. Uh, and then I got going to have to come to me. <laughs> I balled several melons. I have been balling these, these melons all morning. I can't just walk morning. away from this. <laughs> but I can all, I was like, what is this Peter Fonda role even doing? But what, why I think it's even there is because this stupid subplot of Irene Kara's dad um, looking around for Irene Kara with a, a police lieutenant is that they then call Peter Fonda a scene later and are asking him to get his guys to find them because apparently the lieutenant has no faith in his own police force. And he's like, if you, if you find these girls, we'll release four of your informants or mm. whatever, or four of your guys. Mm. So basically you find these two girls on misdemeanors and I know that the cops will never do it because we're just a bunch of dumb shits here in Vancouver, York, Frisco. Mm -hmm. So we'll never we'll never get it done. So we need this illicit underground criminal, maybe. I don't know. Potentially. I, I honestly you're describing a movie I don't feel like I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie. So once they leave that, they do go back on the run. They 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 go back to his apartment. They steal Sniffer's drugs, drugs, his stash, his stash of unde of undescribed, never really clear, just a a stash of drugs, just which is co also cocaine, heroin, speedy do. Like I just, have no yeah, clue what this drug is. A bag of shit, and it's like, <laughs> oh, this, don't steal my shit, you know, because. Little, uh, little, little, uh, Michael didn't know what drugs were at the time. And he's he like, this. drug dealers keep their drugs in the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, you keep them fresh. <laughs> they're better when they're cold. Everybody knows you that. You got to keep them in the butter department because that's going to keep it really cold. You're, he's an eight year old. Wow. Wow. Just shit on an eight year old. I'm just saying that's a lot of butter if you've got an entire department. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So then they take it to this dope house to try and sell it to. Oh, it, it, this... and before that, they they escape to the through the roof because Fonda's guys have come. Right. And they're getting deep the into place. the weeds of this plot. The point is, is yeah. that they escape. They get to the rooftop, but they You're also a lot more credit than it needs. Basically, this movie goes courtroom, <laughs> street, sewer, lobby, sniffer, crack den, 
Shit, I forgot the boat. Let's pepper the boat in there for a second. <laughs> Back out on the streets, yeah. on the bridge, yeah. fiend. They, they go Done. to the drug house. Now, the drug house is significant, so we should do that. Um, because Tatum O'Neill's character is trying to find um, uh, Irene Kara's character. She's running down the street, and she actually, there's a scene where she you see her just booking down the street in this white tank top. She runs to the camera looks around side to side and then turns around and runs exactly where she came from. And you're like, what was this scene about? Where are you going? She she looks like twice. She really looks to the side and then back to the side and then to the other side again and then back to the other side and then runs back. It was like... I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> it was it was that the second unit they shot in LA? Was that like they just needed to do something? Like we just need to fill something. We need like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that part is great. And also the scene. Uh, well, we'll get to that and things we love. But there's a scene there that I that I just uh, there's an exchanger that I love. But at the drug house, an amazing thing happens, which is that in trying to sell these drugs, Irene Cara doesn't know anything about this stuff. So she just finds a nice, sweet corner of the drug house to just chill out and just get some rest. Look, it she's been had a, a warm shower at a stranger's house. <laughs> it's now time for a cracked den nap. Why not? Look, I've been that tired. I've probably fallen asleep more awkward places than a cracked den. <laughs> she feels comfortable anywhere. Mm-hmm. She, by the way, is supposed to be the one who, who she is a doctor's daughter. She mm-hmm. is the one that comes from a, 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 a more of a, a place of privilege between the two of them. But when it comes to a crackdown, she is like at home. Mm-hmm. She is very like comfortable. Ambient lighting. Everybody's there was a ton of candles in that doing place. Doing their own thing. A lot of candles. Mark, if there was any gas in that crack den. Yeah, why didn't it explode when somebody lit a lit a cigarette because there was a lot of candle gas. So many like that 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 actually was probably the most romantic crack den I've yeah, ever seen. It I was know. very I'm well. She didn't, you know, just get out. Rub one out. <laughs> wow. 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 Uh, I mean, she did just have a shower. So she's feeling good. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my. Oh, man. Well, that's recorded. Uh, um, that's your legacy. Kids, uh, gather around and listen to what your father said. Uh, <laughs> then uh, they... Uh, what how oh God? I don't know why we're running through the plot of this. No, this we're really going frame so, so then, so so then to Sniffer, Sniffer comes to the crack house. He finds <laughs> that she sold the drugs. He yeah. then goes swashbuckling on chains from the second floor to the first mm-hmm. floor and back and forth. Uh, and somehow that so then it does he catch on locks, fire. He locks the drug house. For some reason, he locks it up. I guess so that the girls don't escape. Because unbeknownst to him, the two Peter Fonda henchmen are outside because they don't want to go inside because there's crazy people in there. But they do, however, put every can of gasoline that they have gathered and put it up against the door and light the place on fire. So apparently they weren't in on the deal with the police lieutenant and Peter Fonda that said... 
bring me these girls and I'll let some of your guys out of jail because they're like, burn them down. Burn well, and also, there were so many candles. If they would have just shaken the walls oh, of that shanty, for, yeah, it would have knocked yeah. over 30 or 40 for candles sure. and then fire. But instead, they were just yeah. collecting gas. Hopping around the neighborhood collecting gas cans. They <laughs> did not did need take to. to get all that gas? <laughs> not long, as it turns out. Uh, so, Irene Kara and Tatum O'Neill's characters, they climb up to the top of this building, kick open a window, and jump presumably 30 feet. Down to a down to a, a trash bin or a, or a, or a, a, um, uh, a dumpster of cardboard, and yeah. they don't shatter their pelvis or break a hip or or they, the pink eye. Nope. <laughs> These are the things that they can't going they from can. a drug house into yep. a dumpster. You would get pink eye, but yep. again, they get out scot free. Oh my god! Uh, this movie. Okay. Before we just even go through to the terrible conclusion of this film, let's just go to things we loved and things we hated. Mm. Let's jump right to that. Jump right in it, Ryan. Oh. <laughs> oh. Here's the thing, uh, the first thing that I need to say that I loved, and that is, that's Irene Cara. She mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. kills it in this movie and is way better than this movie deserves in terms mm-hmm. of her performance. She, mm-hmm. Yeah. She I ultimately is, feel like Tatum uh, O'Neill is just basically miscast. Mm. Um, like she has dealt with a lot of drug use in her life. She has been on drugs. She has com- attempted to commit suicide. She Ooh, had an abusive father. Listen to the audio. <laughs> she's had sexual <laughs> abuse. Uh, she's had a lot of shit go wrong to her, but she can't believably portray that and let us know that. That said, she had the script of a seven-year-old, so I do want to like you know preface it like we we all heard that you know this has some half-assed motherfucking game <laughs> now that's something i feel like i'm gonna start saying just what just happened this motherfucking podcast <laughs> god what do you think this podcast a half-assed motherfucking game Oh, shit. Uh, um, but yeah, Irene Cara, just like, her character, because we didn't even say in the drug house, then Sniffer finds her and then he shoot her up with heroin, but like a shitty heroin. because she gets cocaine Right. It's, Whatever uh, it is, they <laughs> inject her arm in it and she's over it immediately. So you know that Sniffer is just own weak sauce, whatever he's got. So that's, that's, I have a few things here, but I have to start with Irene Cara. Mark? Uh, I said at the beginning, the soundtrack is something I, I think the soundtrack's all, uh, like way better than this movie uh, and way better than what this movie deserves. Mm-hmm. But my absolute f- like favorite thing, the thing I loved the most is Peter Fonda's little rat tail. Oh, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> I was just like, thinking of that like, watching I, it last did... night because we, we, we discussed 8 million ways to die. And the little tiny rat tail that Andy Garcia has in that movie. And I was like, ooh, Peter Fonda has one too. Mini pony. <laughs> so did he have that anyway? Or did he like, when he got that script, he was like, hold on. I know what I got to do. Uh, and and grew the rat tail or at least had it groomed so that it was perfectly <laughs> accentuated for he that role. It, he had it added. It's an extension. <laughs> <laughs> How long do you want the extension? Do you want to like just like maybe an inch? Yeah. Just 
<laughs> not long at all. So nope, you don't want a ponytail. No, 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 no. Just a tiny little rat tail about an inch, mm -hmm. an inch long. A mini pony, perhaps? Um, Erica, to some things you loved? I really loved that opening sequence. And, Those titles? And, and, yeah, <laughs> loved it. I thought it was really bold, really um, contrasting. No, in the courthouse, uh, when, when the girl starts to sing, and she's like, mm, mm -hmm. yeah, and you're like, what is going to happen here? And it just turns into a bloodbath. I just thought that whole sequence was just terrific. It does set you up for a different movie than what you end up yeah. getting. And you think that you're following two two different characters right. and you're not. Right. And, um, you know, everybody was very upset about that initial um cop that gets his throat slashed that court stenographer was like no like <laughs> my god was she his secret santa why was she so upset <laughs> she is like gripping him like no i know she's, she's so they have they, I mean, there's, there's a there's a legit movie with yeah. those two What's that subplot? <laughs> Not this movie, but there's a legit movie right there. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Anything else or were those the things you loved? That was my top. That's that's my number Mark, one. Mark, did you have something else? I'm sorry. I'm kinda of feel like we're going round robin. <laughs> No, I don't I, know why I decided to do it uh, no, that way. Right, you can go right back to you. Otherwise, we can jump into things we hated because I okay, think that could I, be a longer segment. I got a couple. <laughs> I got a couple things. I feel like I've covered a lot of things I've hated. Um, first of all, the taxi driver. Remember the taxi driver? Mm -hmm. yes. I like that we got yes. to see how he dealt with all those bums. <laughs> yes. We really got to see yes. the finality of yes. that moment. <laughs> and that bum's little jig after he kicks the car. He's like, that, 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 that. The bum like, kicks the door closed yeah. just to help him out. Yeah. Even though he'd just been yelling at them. That was actually, that's my favorite scene. <laughs> Because it's a single <laughs> shot. It's a single shot. And oh. the whole time I'm thinking, who's going to shut that back door? Because he just got in the car. Right, and, right. And that actor who's playing that homeless person was obviously like, oh, shit, I got to close this door, yeah, I guess. the door's open. He, yeah, he, didn't, he didn't close the door. Yeah. He was supposed to. He's supposed to push me, close so the door, he, go around to the car, but he didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so he figures out this little dance on how yeah, he's going to. like sells it. That's great. I was like, that was perfect. That was amazing. That was yeah, so good. That, that scene was terrific. Then back to Peter Fonda's scene. I loved, first of all, Tatum's reaction. There's this little knife that, that Peter Fonda's using to, to not only eat melon balls, but clean out the, the shit underneath his fingernails. And he cuts her on the cheek with it. And her reaction is like, <laughs> like she has this amazing reaction. And then Peter Fonda's line get this bleeding bitch off my boat. <laughs> it's a child's dialogue. And it's just... I hope he immediately went down and changed the name of his boat to Bleeding Bitch. <laughs> I mean, also, you think this is a half-ass motherfucking game? Get this bleeding bitch off my boat. She also recovers <laughs> from that knife wound yeah, really very, quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, she used some of Sniffer's special serum. It also has... Um, you know, healing, careful, healing properties. Careful. <laughs> careful. Yeah. She she also then uses it later to be like, Irene Karras goes, Sniffer tried to rape me. She's like, well, he tried to cut my face. Like, I'm like, they're not the same thing. <laughs> like, like, your cheek got like a tiny little scratch on it. She was almost raped. They're not at the same level. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Really quick. Um, 
<laughs> so things we hated, uh, you know, I I don't think uh, Tatum O'Neill is a bad actress, but she is rough to watch in this movie. And again, I yeah. think she's miscast. Uh, and actually, I think she probably would have been better to play the like good girl who ended up on the wrong side of the law, basically. And I don't mean particularly that they would switch roles. But that said, Irene Cara is so good in this movie. I almost feel like she would have been much more believable playing Tatum's role, and they should have done a switcheroo. I don't know. They do like a did they do a Mad Dog and Glory on day one, <laughs> and just decide just talk to each other and go, "What if I played your role? What if I played yours?" And all of a sudden, Stephen Gyllenhaal was like, "Wait, what? What are you guys doing, Tatum? Why are you in that leather jacket? We what?" <clears throat> Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, that, that's, that's something that I, I didn't like. Uh, but again, that said, I always want to put uh, preface it because now I know her life story. <laughs> so I feel very connected to Tatum. Um, having listened to her read her own autobiography that, uh, you know, she did have a child script that she was writing off of. So, you know, I want to, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough to make a script like that, uh, work, but. Erica, things you hated? <clears throat> uh, I, to be honest, I hated the whole thing that that Tatum O'Neill couldn't read. I thought that was dumb. It added nothing. Mm-hmm. It didn't mm-hmm. ever pay off, except mm-hmm. for maybe when they were in the sewer and she was about to climb into the danger high voltage section of the sewer. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Tracy stops her. But it, other than that, it just felt stupid that she, that she well there is a great moment that she has with her lawyer in the very in the courtroom scene where he shows her all the the legal you know all the the 14 pages of documents of what people said she did and he says didn't you look that over and she's like well tell me what it says and he's like what didn't you read it she's like i probably missed some stuff plus it's all written in legalese and then he takes this pause and he goes oh i see yeah, like- <laughs> as if like Oh, you can't read. I get it. No, 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 no. He was like, no, I see. You're right. This is a bunch of fucking legalese. Like, I wouldn't read it. I don't want to read this. Oh, yeah. Or maybe he was like, oh, so you think my fucking job is a piece of shit? Or he was like, I read legalese every day. God damn you. He's like, oh, shit. I can't read either. And now she knows that I can't. I was trying to get her to read it to me. She wants me to read it to her. God damn! You think lawyering is some goddamn motherfucking game? <laughs> Sorry, half-ass motherfucking game. I made it sound good. Uh, Mark, things you hated. <clears throat> uh, like I mentioned, the subplot with Tracy's dad. I, I just—it's not necessary. It doesn't. Yeah. I, I found it to be kind of annoying. Um, I, I, I found the ending when she's running down the tracks to oh, be yeah, annoying because yeah. I'm like. Yes. I'm like, is this? I thought at first, I'm like, okay, this is one of those noirish kind of endings where she's smiling, she's looking at the mountains, she's like, I know I'm going to get shot, but you know what? I have no future, and mm-hmm. this is the best I'm ever going to achieve, and mm. it's, it's okay if I get shot. Nope, she just wasn't listening, and she was having a little <laughs> giggle to herself while she yeah. was running because <laughs> then she shot, and they're like, <laughs> 
oh my god, you're shot. She's like, uh, uh, please help me. <laughs> so I'm like, and then they the like point? she runs over to her. Her dad checks her pulse because her dad's yeah. a surgeon. But we see she's still alive. Good job, uh-huh. surgeon. By the way, Moses Gunn plays her dad, who's a good actor, and George Murdoch plays Lieutenant. Two good actors wasted in a terrible subplot that's unnecessary. Though the uh, the monologue where he talks about Irene Cara's mom passing away and him just diving into work, and it is just this sappy, ridiculous yeah. monologue with these two characters we don't care about. And it's so late in the film. I'm like, this is this supposed to tell us, like, what what inspired Irene Cara to do all she's done? Like, it, we're we're at the end. We don't need to. We're, we're way past caring about that at this point. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah. And then uh, there, she's been shot. She's laying on the tracks. Irene Cara comes over, and they're like, "We're gonna stick together no matter what." Now, I'm like, why? Yeah, why? exactly. And why? why now? Why? Why? You guys have been contentious yeah. this entire time. What what has bonded you? What moment has ever bonded you guys? I uh, none. Even because right before that, they're talking about going to the mountains and buying a couple seeds and working as waitresses. I guess in the mountains you don't need ID. It's like the wild wild west in the mountains. She of, even asked that. Of, we don't have ID. She's like they don't Los, care. She says of, that of Los York, Vancouver, Frisco town, Chicago. Right. It's you don't need any. You don't need Vancouver any port. Vancouver and, port. And for a couple bucks, you can buy enough seeds to start your own uh, uh, farm. Um, so, but then <laughs> yeah, she's like, whole, like, we'll trade it, three beans, we'll trade our cow for three magical beans and just grow ourselves. Up. Like, like, it's great. It takes, it takes Tate and O'Neill like 15 seconds ago. Yeah. You know what? That fucking's not going to do it for me. Yeah. I don't want to do that shit. No, <laughs> because because while, while Tate and O'Neill can't read, Irene Kara's character has no basis of economics. None. Doesn't understand even the fundamentals of supply and demand and how you would build an industry. Again, a child does not know how to go on the run, does not go how to go on the land, doesn't know how to. I'm going to grow my own food in a treehouse. I'll be fine. You don't need ID. Do you know how many seeds you can get for a couple bucks? I got a couple bucks from my paper route. Uh, so, I mean, uh, but I, I will say at the end of that scene, there's another thing that I loved, and that is the camera pulls away from them slowly, and we see the cops and uh, uh, Tatum O'Neill's laying laying on the tracks, and you know it's like this is right before the credits roll. Yeah, there's this one cop who just can't figure out how to stand. It's like he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's holding like a huge gun. Yeah, he's got. I'll put one leg up on the track. He's no, like, wait, where no, do I? One, no how down. do I put my feet? Do I do I do I put my gun down or do I put it? Uh, do I hold it up? Do I look backwards? <laughs> do I look at them? Do I stand sideways? Do <laughs> he cannot find any position? Right. <laughs> well, also because they're like, how many cops do you think we need to? track these two girls who are walking along the side of a mountain on these abandoned train tracks. Like, um, I'm going to say 12, yeah, probably 12. need 12 cops. Need a dozen, a dozen cops. I'm sure you there's, need, you need 12 cops. Two <laughs> yeah. cops. 12. They, they really want to get them because they're cops. They want to catch them. And it takes 12 cops to do the equivalent <laughs> of two criminals. <right? Policing. Right. So exactly. 12 to two ratio. Oh also, God. 
Also, she's running away on the tracks. She has no weapon, and they shoot her. Yeah, like, they, they even say to Irene Kara, she's the one who has the gun. Like, yeah. Irene Kara has the gun. Yeah, like, uh, oh, so, so, so amazing. If we do want to see if there's a moment where they did Bond, there is a moment where they're, cr- they're on the roof and they're crawling down the pipe. Yeah. And yep. Tatum O'Neill says, like, oh, I'm kind of slipping. I need your help. And so Irene Kara does, it does an almost no expression and just kind of goes, okay, and comes over to help her. And they play like the theme that they play for the two of them, which is like the inspiring theme. As she's helping her get onto the to, onto the, <laughs> onto this pipe to climb down, and I'm like, are they playing this inspiring music because we're supposed to think this is the moment where they finally start to become friends? <laughs> so I guess that was the moment where they she helped her down on that pipe. I guess that was the moment of bonding that really made them this inseparable pair. And also, like the two guys that are Peter Fonda's guys come up and they're like oh we better hurry and then the cop goes hey 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 this is kind of you can't come through here and, and then like, all and right like, oh, okay and they stop that cop walks away and then they just run by them and i'm like what good job cop now i can see why the lieutenant didn't trust them <laughs> well that's because there was only one cop if you had 12 they could have stopped them right you needed 12 cops there wasn't enough cops that day all right, let's get it. Uh, let me just quickly go through Research Corner, which is almost nothing. But, Mark, you were talking about – let me just quickly do some of the people that worked on this movie, just so you know. Would it surprise you to know that the guy who edited The Thing and also Escape from New York and then went on to edit DEFCON 4 and Black Moon Rising edited this movie? I, that is a shock. Was he going through a – like a heavy drinking period at that time. And... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, he, New World clearly, like, you know, snatched him up and said, "You, we, we're going to put you on a three-picture deal. You got to, you got to edit these three movies for us." The mu- the music is by Bill Payne. He's a founding member of the rock band Little Feet, yeah. and he worked with a variety of people. He's like worked as a basically like a session musician for a lot of people, including Stevie Nicks. And her first solo record. Uh, he played with Robert Palmer. He like filled in with the Doobie Brothers, like actually in a, in a short stint, but a recent stint when they had gotten back together with Michael McDonald. But he didn't do many scores after this. He basically does one other movie, 1985 Smooth Talk, which is like a dramatic, I think, a romance movie with Treat Williams and Laura Dern, very young. And then like 10 years later or so, he, he does some action movie called dirty money which i have no idea what that movie is and that's in 1984 or 1994 so he continues to do music he's also like now a photographer but like one of the great things about this movie is mark said the score is really good it is it's really so i'm surprised that he didn't do more but uh bill Payne does the music there's also a song that's sung in the courtroom scene which is Don Lee Tate is the actress playing Crystal Devereaux, who's singing and deciding to uh, just just as a ruse to the bailiff. Uh, and she sings a song called We'll Love Again, which is credited to Drew Arnott and Daryl Crum, who are two members of the Canadian Sith pop group Strange Advance. I don't know 
if they wrote that little ditty just for that, because that song is not on any of their records. Hmm. Um, and I really tried to find if it was one of their songs. Um, by the way, they are going to go back on tour in 2021. Strange Ooh. Advance. Oh, so, great. great. There we go. So Exciting. Yeah, they raised some money for a tour and uh, got that money and then had to postpone it till 2021. So I'm, I think it's legit. I think it's going to happen. But um, the funny part about in terms of the music for this movie is that Irene Cara, who was coming off of an Oscar win for writing and singing the song uh, Flashdance, she wrote a song for this movie that isn't in the movie. And it isn't in the soundtrack. And I ha- I tried desperately to find out what where what happened to the song, but I can't I could not find this again. Uh, I have tried I tried to search Irene Cara and Tatum O'Neill, including listening to some of her autobiography, to try to find out what they thought about this movie. But it is not a topic that has come up a lot. This movie didn't do well. Shocker. It was sort of uh, written off. And uh, up until Kino Lorber put it back on disc and did the, you know, new transfer and everything, which is available on Prime if you want to watch this movie. And I, I do suggest is. you do. I don't know that it is. I think it's available on YouTube. But I, oh. Is it, I don't know if it's available. It, on it is available on YouTube. But maybe, okay, maybe it's not on Prime. Um, I thought we said it was on Prime on the, no, because, on the, bonus, on the uh, bonus episode. But maybe no. not. Because well, I in had, any case, it, I had to order two of two of this one. Remember? Oh, that's right. That's that's correct. So there is not really much to this. The movie was basically a bit of a uh, forgotten film, essentially, until it was re-released. So it's not. There's just not a lot out there about this movie. Um, but anyway, I did find a recording of her in Japan singing the song, which is on YouTube. So I thought we'd take a listen to the theme song, essentially, to A Certain Fury, or Certain Fury, depending on if you're just somebody reading the title, or if you're the actress in the film who calls it, who adds an A. Um, so Mark, let's, let's, let's listen to that. This is the theme song that I wrote my next single, I Hope You Like It. in the movie i don't know wow i don't know it's a good that's song. a great song now the lyrics of course are about as vague as the movie itself because there's just a certain fury inside of her that's like a love that will just never go away <laughs> i well, mean and the, and not the sure what the lyrics are i think irene uh, Kara struggled with the title of certain fury as much as everyone else of what that really means but a great song. Like, why isn't that in the movie? Why wasn't that at least on the credits? I yeah. don't know what the story is on that. I don't know why it's not there. But, you know, again, Irene Cara doing all the heavy lifting in this movie, writing a theme song, somehow it doesn't get on there. I know she got she got pretty screwed over by a lot of 
the producers for Flashdance for the soundtrack. Like she didn't get any money for singing the Flashdance song, like no royalties or anything for like 10 years. She had to go to court and sue and she got pretty well screwed by her uh, record deal. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. I, I, I just don't know why this didn't. All I know is that <clears throat> this is basically one of the last movies that Irene Cara does. She does like one other movie, which is some, martial arts film i'm trying to remember the title of it but it she really didn't do much after this and and tatum o'neill sort of stops doing movies as well because she marries john McEnroe and starts having kids she doesn't do a movie until the early 90s so they kind of both this movie kind of just i think after this they were like i'm good i'm good i don't need to make movies anymore <laughs> I, I you know you, you're looking at the time 1985 there's not there's not a lot of like action movies with two women as the leads they probably were thinking this was going to be something that was a huge boost and said it was a bomb and called one of the worst movies of the year. So I don't know. I don't know if that just hurt their opportunities or what, but yeah. So that's about it. That is it for certain fury. I hope you got a certain fury listening to this episode. I mean, not, not a full blown fury, but just a <laughs> certain fury just um, because that's what this movie was. It had a certain fury about it. It had a certain anger. It was often misdirected. It was often not very believable, but it was there. It was a certain fury. <laughs> I feel like we should go out to the theme song um, <clears throat> of this movie. And uh, hey, if you hit us up on the socials, uh, New World Pod on um, Instagram and Twitter, and you can write us letters at info at newworldpodcast.com and uh we'll have another bonus episode where we'll read said letters we've we just got a doozy off the chud episode on twitter that i can't wait to read and talk about in our next bonus episode so hit us up there please rate and review us we're uh wherever you find podcasts spotify uh stitcher apple podcasts uh anywhere you can find podcasts but mainly those three and so please rate and review us it really does help us out a whole lot Thank you for joining us on the New World Podcast. Bye, everybody. This is the theme song that I wrote for my next single. I hope you like it.